0: Section 2 of Steep Trails. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Steep Trails by John Muir. Chapter 2 A Geologist's Winter Walk. After reaching Turlock, I sped afoot over the stubble fields and through miles of brown Himazonia and purple erigeron to hopeton conscious of little more than that the town was behind and beneath me and the mountains above and before me on through the oaks and chaparral of the foothills to coulterville and then ascended the first great mountain step upon which grows the sugar pine Here i slackened pace for i drank the spicy resiny wind and beneath the arms of this noble tree i felt that i was safely home never did pine trees seem so dear how sweet was their breath and their song and how grandly they winnowed the sky i tingled my fingers among their tassels and rustled my feet among their brown needles and burrs, and was exhilarated and joyful beyond all I can write. When I reached Yosemite, all the rocks seemed talkative and more telling and lovable than ever. They are dear friends and seem to have warm blood gushing through their granite flesh, and I love them with a love intensified by long and close companionship after i had bathed in the bright river sauntered over the meadows conversed with the domes and played with the pines i still felt blurred and weary as if tainted in some way with the sky of your streets i determined therefore to run out for a while TO SAY MY PRAYERS IN THE HIGHER MOUNTAIN TEMPLES. THE DAYS ARE SUNFUL, I SAID, AND, THOUGH NOW WINTER, NO GREAT DANGER NEED BE ENCOUNTERED, AND NO SUDDEN STORM WILL BLOCK MY RETURN, IF I AM WATCHFUL. THE MORNING AFTER THIS DECISION, I STARTED UP THE CANYON OF Tenaya, CARING LITTLE ABOUT THE QUANTITY OF BREAD I CARRIED, FOR, I THOUGHT, A fast and a storm and a difficult canyon were just the medicine I needed. When I passed Mirror Lake, I scarcely noticed it, for I was absorbed in the great Tisiac, her crown a mile away in the hushed azure, her purple granite drapery, flowing in soft and graceful folds down to my feet, embroidered gloriously around with deep, shadowy forest i have gazed on Tisiac a thousand times in days of solemn storms and when her form shone divine with the jewelry of winter or was veiled in living clouds and i have heard her voice of winds and snowy tombful waters when floods were falling yet never did her soul reveal itself more impressively than now I hung about her skirts, lingering timidly, until the higher mountains and glaciers compelled me to push up the canyon. This canyon is accessible only to mountaineers, and I was anxious to carry my barometer and clinometer through it, to obtain sections and altitudes, so I chose it as the most attractive highway. After I had passed the tall groves, that stretch a mile above Mirror Lake, and scrambled around the Tenaya Fall, which is just at the head of the lake groves, I crept through the dense and spiny chaparral that plushes the roots of the mountains here for miles in warm green, and was ascending a precipitous rock front, smoothed by glacial action, when I suddenly fell, for the first time since I touched foot to Sierra rocks. After several somersaults, I became insensible from the shock, and when consciousness returned, I found myself wedged among short, stiff bushes, trembling as if cold, not injured in the slightest. Judging by the sun, I could not have been insensible very long, probably not a minute, possibly an hour and I could not remember what made me fall, or where I had fallen from. But I saw that if I had rolled a little further, my mountain-climbing would have been finished, for just beyond the bushes the canyon-wall steepened, and I might have fallen to the bottom. There, said I, addressing my feet, to whose separate skill I had learned to trust night and day on any mountain, THAT IS WHAT YOU GET BY INTERCOURSE WITH STUPID TOWN STAIRS AND DEAD PAVEMENTS. I FELT DEGRADED AND WORTHLESS. I HAD NOT YET REACHED THE MOST DIFFICULT PORTION OF THE CANYON, BUT I DETERMINED TO GUIDE MY HUMBLED BODY OVER THE MOST NERVE-TRYING PLACES I COULD FIND, FOR I WAS NOW AWAKE AND FELT CONFIDENT THAT THE LAST OF THE TOWN FOG had been shaken from both head and feet. I camped at the mouth of a narrow gorge, which is cut into the bottom of the main canyon, determined to take earnest exercise next day. No plushy boughs did my ill-behaved bones enjoy that night, nor did my bumped head get a spicy cedar-plume pillow mixed with flowers. I slept on a naked boulder, and when I awoke, All my nervous trembling was gone. The gorged portion of the canyon, in which I spent all the next day, is about a mile and a half in length, and I passed the time in tracing the action of the forces that determined this peculiar bottom gorge, which is an abrupt, ragged-walled, narrow-throated canyon, formed in the bottom of the wide-mouthed, smooth, and beveled main canyon, I WILL NOT STOP NOW TO TELL YOU MORE. SOME DAY YOU MAY SEE IT, LIKE A SHADOWY LINE FROM CLOUDS' REST. IN HIGH WATER THE STREAM OCCUPIES ALL THE BOTTOM OF THE GORGE, SURGING AND CHAFING IN GLORIOUS POWER FROM WALL TO WALL. BUT THE SOUND OF THE GRINDING WAS LOW AS I ENTERED THE GORGE, SCARCELY HOPING TO BE ABLE TO PASS THROUGH ITS ENTIRE LENGTH. BY COOL EFFORTS Along glassy, ice-worn slopes, I reached the upper end in a little over a day, but was compelled to pass the second night in the gorge, and in the moonlight I wrote you this short pencil-letter in my notebook. The moon is looking down into the canyon, and how marvelously the great rocks kindle to her light. Every dome and brow and swelling boss touched by her white rays glows as if lighted with snow i am now only a mile from last night's camp and have been climbing and sketching all day in this difficult but instructive gorge it is formed in the bottom of the main canyon among the roots of clouds rest it begins at the filled-up lake basin where i camped last night and ends a few hundred yards above in another basin of the same kind the walls everywhere are craggy and vertical and in some places they overlean. it is only from twenty to sixty feet wide and not though black and broken enough the thin crooked mouth of some mysterious abyss but it was eroded FOR IN MANY PLACES I SAW ITS SOLID, SEAMLESS FLOOR. I AM SITTING ON A BIG STONE, AGAINST WHICH THE STREAM DIVIDES, AND GOES BRAWLING BY AND RAPIDS ON BOTH SIDES. HALF OF MY ROCK IS WHITE IN THE LIGHT, HALF IN SHADOW. AS I LOOK FROM THE OPENING JAWS OF THIS SHADOWY GORGE, SOUTH DOME IS IMMEDIATELY IN FRONT. HIGH IN THE STARS, her face turned from the moon, with the rest of her body gloriously muffled in waved folds of granite. On the left, sculptured from the main Clouds Rest Ridge, are three magnificent rocks, sisters of the great South Dome. On the right is the massive moonlit front of Mount Watkins, and between, low down in the furthest distance, is sentinel dome girdled and darkened with forest in the near foreground tanaya creek is singing against boulders that are white with snow and moonbeams now look back twenty yards and you will see a waterfall fair as a spirit the moonlight just touches it bringing it into relief against a dark background of shadow a little to the left AND A DOZEN STEPS THIS SIDE OF THE FALL, A FLICKERING LIGHT MARKS MY CAMP, AND A PRECIOUS CAMP IT IS. A HUGE GLACIER-POLISHED SLAB, FALLING FROM THE SMOOTH GLOSSY FLANK OF CLOUD'S REST, HAPPENED TO SETTLE ON EDGE AGAINST THE WALL OF THE GORGE. I DID NOT KNOW THAT THIS SLAB WAS GLACIER-POLISHED, UNTIL I LIGHTED MY FIRE. JUDGE OF MY DELIGHT, i think it was sent here by an earthquake it is about twelve feet square i wish i could take it home for a hearthstone beneath this slab is the only place in this torrent swept gorge where i could find sand sufficient for a bed i expected to sleep on the boulders for i spent most of the afternoon on the slippery wall of the canyon endeavouring to get around this difficult part of the gorge and was compelled to hasten down here for water before dark i shall sleep soundly on the sand half of it is mica here wonderful to behold are a few green stems of prickly rubus and a tiny grass they are here to meet us i even here in this darksome gorge frightened and tormented with raging torrents and choking avalanches of snow can it be as if rubus and the grass-leaf were not enough of god's tender prattle words of love which we so much need in these mighty temples of power yonder in the benmost bore are two blessed adiantums listen to them how wholly infused with god is this one big word of love that we call the world good night do you see the fire glow on my ice smooth slab and on my two ferns and the rubus and grass panicles and do you hear how sweet a sleep song the fall and cascades are singing the water ground chips and knots that i found fastened between the rocks kept my fire alive all through the night Next morning I rose, nerved and ready for another day of sketching and noting, and any form of climbing. I escaped from the gorge about noon, after accomplishing some of the most delicate feats of mountaineering I ever attempted, and here the canyon is all broadly open again, the floor luxuriantly forested with pine and spruce, and silver fir, and brown-trunked lobosidrus. The walls rise in Yosemite forms, and Tenaya Creek comes down 700 feet in a white brush of foam. This is a little Yosemite valley. It is about 2,000 feet above the level of the main Yosemite, and about 2,400 below Lake Tenaya. I found the lake frozen, and the ice was so clear and unruffled, that the surrounding mountains and the groves that looked down upon it, were reflected almost as perfectly as I ever beheld them in the calm evening mirrors of summer. At a little distance it was difficult to believe the lake frozen at all, and when I walked out on it, cautiously stamping at short intervals to test the strength of the ice, I seemed to walk Mysteriously, without adequate faith, on the surface of the water. The ice was so transparent that I could see through it the beautifully wave rippled sandy bottom, and the scales of mica glinting back the downpouring light. When I knelt down with my face close to the ice, through which the sunbeams were pouring, I was delighted to discover myriads of tenders, six-rayed water flowers, magnificently colored. A grand old mountain mansion is this Tanaya region. In the glacier period, it was a Mer de Glace, far grander than the Mer de Glace of Switzerland, which is only about half a mile broad. The Tanaya Mer de Glace was not less than two miles broad late in the glacier epoch when all the principal dividing crests were bare and its depth was not less than fifteen hundred feet ice-streams from mounts lyle and dana and all the mountains between and from the nearer cathedral peak flowed hither welded into one and worked together after eroding this tenaya lake basin and all the splendidly sculptured rocks and mountains that surround and adorn it, and the great Tenaya Canyon, with its wealth of all that makes mountains sublime, they were welded into the vast South, Lyle, and Liluette glaciers, on the one side and with those of Hoffman on the other, thus forming a portion of a yet grander mer de glas in yosemite valley i reached the tanaya canyon on my way home by coming in from the northeast rambling down over the shoulders of mount watkins touching bottom a mile above mirror lake from thence home was but a saunter in the moonlight after resting one day and the weather continuing calm i ran up over the left shoulder of south dome and down in front of its grand split face to make some measurements completed my work climbed to the right shoulder struck off along the ridge for cloud's rest and reached the topmost heave of her sunny wave in ample time to see the sunset cloud's rest is a thousand feet higher than Tisiac. it is a wave-like crest upon a ridge which begins at yosemite with tisiak and runs continuously eastward to the thicket of peaks and crests around lake Tenaya, this lofty granite wall is bent this way and that by the restless and weariless action of glaciers just as if it had been made of dough but the grand circumference of mountains and forests are coming from far and near Densing into one close assemblage. For the sun, their God and Father, With love ineffable, Is glowing a sunset farewell. Not one of all the assembled rocks or trees Seemed remote. How impressively their faces shone With responsive love. I ran home in the moonlight with firm strides, For the sun-love made me strong down through the junipers down through the firs now in jet shadows now in white light over sandy moraines and bare clanking rocks past the huge ghost of south dome rising weird through the firs past the glorious fall of nevada the groves of illiluette through the pines of the valleys beneath the bright crystal sky blazing with stars All of this mountain wealth in one day, One of the rich, ripe days that enlarge one's life, So much of the sun upon one side of it, So much of the moon, and stars on the other. End of chapter 2 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox